Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here this morning for our congregation at prayer. And uh, I see you checked in in the chat there, Eileen. I'm assuming Gus, Aaron, Grace, good to see you. Yes, awesome music. This was back when we could uh, actually gather as people <laughs> together and sing together. Um, that was from the Good Shepherd Institute in November 2019. Little did I know at the time. Uh, that that would be the last recording I would do for some time, for more than a year. But there it is. We'll get back to it. All right. Our congregation prayer today, we will be considering the Office of the Keys, right, which goes with confession absolution, which follows, of course, the sacrament of baptism. Put it up on the screen. There we go. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse for this week. Come, now, let us, and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 1, verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Our psalm this week is Psalm 107, the first 16 verses. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their distress. He led them by a straight way, till they reached the city, a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men, for he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of men. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, there's a question in the chat about the word, therefore, uh, steadfast love endures forever, right? Steadfast love equals, what's the question? Let me see here. Equals mercy. No, they're actually two different words. Um, 
they're somewhat, I mean, they're obviously similar, but mercy is that God does not give us what we deserve. Steadfast love is a little bit different word. Let me um, look and see what verse is that in. Steadfast love. Where did we have steadfast love? What verse is that? I'm scanning it, and I'm just, I'm not seeing it. But we just asked you just asked the question. Well, hold on. Steadfast love. Oh, there it is in verse eight, right? Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, I'm I'm scanning it. I'm seeing what uh, what the Hebrew is. Uh, verse eight. Yeah, it's chesed in Hebrew, uh, which is an interesting word. It's translated in New King James as goodness, sometimes translated as kindness. Um, I, I like to translate it as the steadfast loving kindness. <laughs> so put it all together. Um, let's see, dictionary definition. This is from uh, Brown Driver, uh, Dryer, excuse me, Driver Briggs, which is a um, common Hebrew lexicon. Um, when it's referring to man, it's the kindness of men towards men and doing favors and benefits. Uh, kindness, especially is extended to the lowly, needy, and miserable, so it could be translated as mercy then, in that sense. Uh, rarely, affection toward Israel, love to God, piety, uh, can mean lovely in appearance. But when it's, that's all in, return, in regards to man, so it's mercy when it's person to person. When it's of God, or his, Chesed, chesed, excuse me. Um, it's translated as kindness, loving kindness, in condescending to the needs of his creatures. He is uh, chesed, their goodness, their favor, specifically loving kindness and redemption from enemies and troubles, and preservation from life as well, spiritual life in particular, redemption from sin, keeping his covenants. Um, and it's grouped with other divine attributes such as uh, fidelity, faithfulness. In regards to the kindness of God, it's abundant, it's great in extent, it's everlasting, it's good, and um, deeds of kindness. So it's attached to all of that. So, like I said, uh, it's a broad word. It has density of definition. Yeah, it's right there in verse 1 as well. This steadfast love. See, I was looking at a different translation, which translates it as kindness and goodness. Right. Yeah, so it's a, it has a very broad meaning and it has a wide range of meanings. Good. Our first reading today is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be man- also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise, also raise us up with Jesus, and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. All right. And our reading for catechesis is from Matthew chapter 9. So he got into the boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then, behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is a man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your uh, hearts? For which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now, it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn uh, what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. All right, there ends our reading. All right, so what is a paralytic? It doesn't say specifically what he's paralyzed or how he's paralyzed, but it certainly is one who has lost his ability to move various parts of the body. Why did these men bring a paralyzed man to Jesus? You might be thinking of the account from Mark where. He's let down uh, from the roof, right? Well, what does it say? They brought him to hear Jesus' preaching, and of course they knew that Jesus could heal the man. Uh, What did they believe? What is implied here? Well, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, what did they believe? They believed that he was a, a savior or the Savior, I should say. So what did Jesus say to the paralytic? See it here in verse 2. Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. 
Your sins are forgiven you. Uh, What do Jesus' words give, of course? They give forgiveness. But of course, what is it that scandalizes the scribes? Yeah, it's the words of forgiveness that Jesus has the audacity to forgive sins. Um, This word blasphemy, or blasphemes, we should probably define that. What does it mean to blaspheme? All right, it, it generally means to speak carelessly, falsely, or insultingly about God or any holy things. Uh, in this case in particular, claiming divine attributes for oneself by word or deed. So why did the scribes think evil in their hearts towards Jesus? So they say, Jesus himself says here in verse 5, because they believed that Jesus was doing something or claiming something that only God could do. And, according to their estimation, of course, that would be blasphemy. Now, Jesus asks a question, though, to help them understand. And the question is, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, uh, or arise and walk? Which is easier to say? <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. It's a, or uh, what I remember calling a trick question, right? They're both difficult. Um, indeed impossible for us because both are deeds of God. Yes. Um, but it's helpful the way he puts the two together. Why? Because uh, maybe it's worth explaining then, how does sickness relate to sin? How is the forgiveness of sins related, in this case, to the resurrection of the body? Yeah. All sickness is an outward sign of sin. Forgiveness, of course, deals with the inner problem of sin, right, the heart, uh, and in order that the whole power of death be destroyed, not just outward uh, bodily ailment, but um, both body and soul, of course, leading to the resurrection. Of course, what does this all, what does his healing sign signify? That the Son of Man has authority, has authority, not power. Ah. James, um, has authority on earth to forgive sins. And of course, what else then do we learn from this story? That forgiveness of sins frees us from the power of death. Uh, Why did the people then glorify God? You see that in verse 8. Because God had given such authority or power to men. Of course, what is this power or authority? It's the power to forgive sins. Of course, what does Jesus do with this authority then? What does he do with this authority to forgive sins? It's all right away in the next chapter, actually, Matthew 10, verse 40. He says this, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Right? So, Um, couple that with then what he says uh, in the sending of the apostles in Matthew 28, right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, namely the authority to forgive sins, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins, of course, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, namely the hearing of God's word, the receiving of all of his gifts for the forgiveness of sins. (laughs) 
All right. Then we meet uh, a fellow named Matthew. What is, what is Matthew's occupation? What's he do for a living, famously? Well, he's at the tax office, so he's a tax collector, right? Uh, what's the general opinion of tax collectors in the scriptures, but especially by those um, around these tax collectors? Well, Matthew's a Jew, but he's serving the Roman um, government, so that would make him a traitor, um, but also a sinner, and a worse sinner than you. Why did Matthew get up and follow Jesus? What do you see here in verse 9? It's at the word of Jesus, right? When he says, follow me, he, he does it. Of course, um, how is this important back to Matthew 28, as we just heard a few minutes ago, uh, specifically verse 19, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? What is it that makes disciples? Right here, the words. It's the word of Jesus. In, in our case, it's the word of baptism that compels us to follow him. What's the importance of then Jesus, in the next part here, sitting and eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Tax collect- many tax collectors and sinners. This is what Jesus does. This is who Jesus is. He invites repentant sinners um, to gather around him, and of course now in the Christian congregation, to eat and to drink his body and blood. Uh, what commandment? Did the Pharisees break in verse 11 when, he, when they say, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? This would be the eighth commandment. The eighth commandment uh, to speak well of your neighbor, to put every, the best construction on everything. Mm-hmm. Now, what does um, Jesus liken himself to when he talks to them? Verse 12. Yeah, to a physician or to a doctor. Insinuating what about the Pharisees? Are they sick or are they healthy? No, they're sick, right? Um, And who are the sick, according to this story, from start to finish? Not just the paralyzed man, but the tax collector Matthew, his friends, the other tax collectors, other sinners. That's who are sick. All the sinners, right? And that'd be all mankind then. What does Jesus quote to them? Verse 13 here, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's from uh, Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. Maybe it's worth looking at more context there to see um, how the context is important to Jesus' words. So, Hosea 6. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness, faithfulness is like the morning cloud, and like the early dew it goes away. Therefore I have hewn them by the prophets, I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and your judgments are like the light that goes forth. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But like men, they transgressed the covenant. There they dealt treacherously with me. And we keep going, of course. You notice, the message, the context, is about God 
about the Lord killing us, literally killing us with the word, with his word of law. But not that we would remain dead, but that he would restore us again by the gospel of the one who died and rose. Note, Hosea even mentions, on the third day, prophetically. Right? So law and gospel. He kills and he makes alive. Right? He tears down in order to raise up. But the raising up is not to live independent of Jesus, but actually in the raising up, it's a life of faithfulness. What does Jesus mean here in verse 13 when he says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance? What kind of righteous people are you talking about here? Yeah, he means this in a pejorative sense, a negative sense. He's referring to those who think that they are without sin. And that would, of course, in the context of this, it would be the Pharisees and the scribes. All right, a meditation on this text. The men came believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior from sin, death, and the power of the devil. There was no distinction for them between physical infirmity and the affliction of sin. Jesus has the words of eternal life which root out the power of sin in our lives. All men need this word of life. The scribes objected that forgiveness required the man to make himself worthy and that it was blasphemy for a man to forgive sins. Blasphemy is the sin of taking to oneself power and honor that belongs to God exclusively. Yet, of course, Jesus is both God and man. He has authority, the authority to forgive all sins and has also bestowed upon men, particularly those who hold the office of the ministry, the power, the authority to forgive sins. The ministry of the word of forgiveness continues in the church today in the preaching of the gospel, catechesis, and the loosing of penitent sinners from the condemnation of hell through the word of absolution, both publicly and privately. Here we recall the words of the catechism regarding this authority. Quote, I believe that when the called ministers of Christ deal with us according to or by his divine command, in particular, when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation and absolve those who repent of their sins and want to do better, this is just as valid and certain even in heaven as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. This word of forgiveness changed the heart of Matthew. And he who was gossiped about as a sinner was now instead called righteous. The proclamation of the word produced faith in the forgiveness of sins. The altar is where sinners gather to be made well by the doctor. There the good name of Jesus covers us as we receive his body and blood that we might stand confidently before the throne of the Father in heaven. All right, let's confess the office of the keys. Excuse me. The office of the keys is that special authority which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Where is this written? This is what St. John the Evangelist writes in chapter 20. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What do you believe according to these words? I believe that when the called ministers of Christ deal with us by his divine command, in particular, when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation, and absolve those who repent of their sins and want to do better, this is just as valid and certain, even in heaven, as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. We pray. 
O Lord Jesus, you gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to your disciples and promised that if they forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. And if they do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Grant us to believe your promise so that we receive the ministry of our pastors in repentant faith and with the confidence that they are speaking on your behalf and for the sake of our soul's salvation. In your holy name we pray. Amen. On this Monday, we pray for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for all vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray for all first responders, doctors, nurses, and those who work in nursing homes and hospitals. We pray for an end to all fear, anxious thoughts, and constant worry. Pray for deliverance from all authoritarian, tyrannical, and dictatorial rule. We pray that the Lord grant um, all women with child, especially my wife Anne, and all mothers with infant children, increasing happiness in their blessings. Let he defend all orphans and widows and provide for them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Marcella. Kelsey, Amanda, John, Timothy, Sandy, Linda, and Ken, Aaron, and Penny. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Willis, and Janice, and Mickey. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Sheboygan Lutheran High School and Sheboygan County Hispanic Outreach. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray the collect. O God, the strength of all who put their trust in you, mercifully grant that by your power, we may be defended against all adversity. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, our hymn this week is another Confession and Absolution hymn. It is, As Surely As I Live, God Said. And the hymn, or the stanzas for us to memorize are stanzas 5 um, through 8. 5 through 8 which have to do with the office of the keys in particular. Well, they all do, really. All right, so let's sing. Surely as I live, God said, I would not see. 
sins here thus remain, I truly pardon and acquit. And those whose sins you will retain, condemned and guilty shall remain. What you will bind that bound shall be, what you will lose that shall be free. To my dear church the keys are given to open, close our gates of heaven. The words which absolution give are his who died that we might live. The minister whom Christ has sent but his humble instrument. When ministers lay on their hands, absolved by Christ, the sinner stands. He by grace, the word he leaves, the purchase of his blood receives. All praise to you, O Christ, shall be for absolution full and free, in which you show your richest grace from false indulgence, not our race. God the Father and the Son and Holy Spirit, three in one, as was is now, and so shall be world without end, eternally. All right, that concludes our congregation prayer for today. February 8th, 2021. Good to have you with us all. See you. a few more of you checked in, Roman and Michael and Nancy. Uh, Lord be with you all and uh, keep my wife in your prayers. We're going, Anne is going to, uh, we're going to have a, oh, it's about a week overdue. So we're having ultrasound. Check things out. Just make sure everything's all right. Uh, and Lord willing, baby will come soon. Things are progressing. I think uh, everybody's ready. Everything's ready. Uh, so soon enough. Uh, also, you can watch yesterday's divine service. It's available on all the streaming platforms. Um, you can also just listen to the sermon or watch the sermon, which is separately broken out for you, for your convenience. Um, Bible study as well is up. We did, uh, we kind of looked at the whole breadth of uh, the trial of Pilate. We didn't get into too much detail. We'll dig in a little bit deeper next week, but you can go and watch that as well and listen to it. All right, Lord be with you all and give you his peace.